All right, well, I am in Perth, Australia today, and I'm joined by Max Line from LGC Traffic and LGC Equipment Hire. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Mark. It's a pleasure being here with you today. Very good. So, look, we spoke a little bit over the past uh, about a year or so, and we actually got to catch up in the in Sydney for the Hire 23, 23 convention. Yes. Um, and I, I know your story, but you've got a quite a unique uh, background because you were actually an end customer of, a, of, of the hire industry and eventually started your own hire business. So I'm pretty keen to, to share your story and, and get your perspective on, on why you started the business and whatnot. So babe, sort of run through, I guess, what is LGC traffic to begin with and we'll, we'll get into the, uh, the hire side. Um, I come from a family that had business. Um, my uncle had business, my, my old man had business. Um, and it was business was always interesting and always, you know, was always, always a driver and it was something I always wanted to move into um, as I got older. I guess at the age of 22, you kind of think you you know everything and, um, you know, give me the ropes, let, let's go. Um, so I started off and bought a small business at that time called Mandra Traffic Management. It was only two vehicles, a handful of signage. Um, it had no ongoing work, had no ongoing concerns. So I bought that. Mandra is an hour, hour and a half out of Perth. Um, so we bought that, moved it back to Perth, called it LJC, uh, and LJC stands for Line Group of Companies. So the idea was always to build a... Uh, multi, multi, uh, or multi-entity business or company, um, and become a market leader in in, in anything that LJC does. Mm. Um, so from that point, we started in two utes. We built that business. Um, it took us a little while to get going and fumble as we weren't in that industry, and it was probably a good oh, 11, 11, 12 months before we started really picking up some traction and, and building that business. Uh, Two thousand and sixteen, we opened a depot down in uh, Bustledon. Um, that depot got to about 89 people, uh, then we closed that um, and moved on from there, moved it all back to Perth um, and re- at that time had to restart the business as we found some fraud uh, down in down in that uh, bustle region. So, so before we continue, because I want to hear the story, but I want to, I know the audience probably has a few questions, so I'll ask yeah. the questions for them. Okay. So, so starting a business at, at 22 is pretty impressive in itself. Uh, we had someone from Canada that started a hire business when I was 19, which is ludicrous. I think like to, you just out of school and you're jumping straight into it. But starting at 22 is still a very young age. Like, what was that like? Like, do you just go in like not knowing what you're getting yourself into? Or what was it like for the first year? Pretty much. Um, my old man sat me down and said, if, you know, I'm not going to stop you getting into business, but um, you've got to be aware that your life's going to change if you move into business. There's going to be a lot more responsibility and a lot more ask from you. Um, it was a big change. It was a big, big difference, and it was something that I probably wasn't aware of, or um, maybe even ready for at that time. Um, and I just kind of fumbled, fumbled my way through it. Um, we built LJC, changed a few things around, um, and now we've built LJC to be a premier, really a utility provider um, to our utility companies, if it's Western Power, Atco Gas, or. Yeah, and and so the the first couple of employees was it family, or what was it at the beginning? No. Um, I've always tried to keep family out. I've seen family in business um, and it's never really worked. There's always the arguments. You know, my relationship to family is, is quite important. Um, you know, I love my family dearly and I always want to love them. I don't want to ever put something in between myself and my family and have that wedge. So it's always been, for me, it's always been, what can I achieve by myself and how can I do it? Um, I have had my middle brother work for us for a short period of time um, and that just lyriated, lyriated, that just enforced why I don't employ family. Yeah. Um, 
you know, that was that was a big thing. Um, you know, I still talk to him almost every day and uh, still got a great relationship with him. But, you know, I want to go and achieve what I want to achieve for myself. And, um, yeah. So so you mentioned you grew from two to eight or nine employees. You had an extra branch and then that got shut down for, you, you mentioned before about fraud. So, yes. so being 22 and watching the business grow to a certain point and then seeing something like that happen where... It, it's at a devastating point. Like, what were you feeling at that moment? Ignoring the fraud part, like, what were you feeling at that point? Um, there was a lot of emotion. There was definitely a lot of emotion because it's something that I put my blood, sweat, and tears into for the first three years or almost four years to create this business. And then you see it being kind of ripped out from underneath your feet. And, um, there's nothing you can do because it's already, all, all that stuff's happening. So now you've got to go and mitigate those risks and mitigate those controls that you can to, to rebuild that business and move forward. Um. Hey podcast listeners, chances are you either work or you own a business that sells services or rents assets. So as a high company, you're making critical equipment purchasing sales and pricing decisions every day. These can be tough decisions that can affect your profitability. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have a 360 degree view of your assets, including rental invoices, daily fleet snapshots, and sales performance? Now you can with Rouse Rental Insights. Rouse has been providing a benchmarking solution that delivers actionable, accurate, and confidential metrics to meet the needs of the construction equipment hire industry for over 20 years. So basically, to explain what that means, is that they have a benchmark of a whole lot of data set that you can compare to see what is your utilization, rental revenue, and cost are on various levels, your equipment type, class, make, model, whatever it might be. With over 350 global participants, Rouse collects and aggregates over $100 billion. $100 billion, let that sink in for a sec. $100 billion in equipment value on the original equipment cost basis. And on top of that, they also collect $44 billion in rental revenue annually. Better yet, they also integrate with over 45 ERP systems for direct secure data transmission. So you can get started in a matter of days. You can get started with a free trial of Rouse Rental Insights today. I'll leave a link in the description and enjoy the rest of the podcast. It was a very interesting time. It was a very stressful time, um, but I learned a lot. And, you know, in that, I look back at it now and I'm grateful that I've been through what I've been through because it's my knowledge in business um, and the skill sets that, that that time gave me in business has definitely helped um, help myself and help LJC as a business grow to to the leader that we are these days. Um, all right, so just for the audience, because I want them to understand how big your business is today, because I know your story, like going from two employees up to 89 and then scaling back, like how many employees does LGC traffic have today? Currently in the Perth metro area, we'll employ anywhere from about 220 to 250 employees. Um, we also do have a branch down in Albany, uh, in the Great Southern. It's about four and a half hours out of uh, the Perth Perth region. Um, and down there, we employ around 50 people in that region. Um, it, it was a very interesting... Um, it was a very interesting journey, scaling it back and then and then ramping it back up. Um, but through that period of time, I learned learned a lot. Um, it was a quick quick lesson of a couple of years within business of, of how to mitigate your risks and um, how to control your risks and how to build. I don't think if I hadn't been through that experience at that time, I don't think 
um, the business would be the size it is today. Mm. Um, you know, I enjoy the business. I enjoy aspects of business, and uh, I enjoy seeing what what we can create as a business, and um, you know, what we can get, how we can build a team to achieve the goals that we want to achieve. And uh, yeah, it was a very interesting time that time, but. Um, you know, it's always onwards and upwards, and um, I'm not someone that's going to tap out. I'm going to come back and come back swinging, I guess, and see what we can really create and, and build build what we can build. So, so the, the first question I had originally was, how did you feel when you started the business at 22? And then fast forward to today with 300 or so employees, like when you reflect back, like how do you feel today? How do I feel today? I feel like any other person, you know, it's, it's, it's been a job. Um, it's been a job that I've created for myself and then, you know, we've been able to create more workforce and more jobs for a workforce out there. Um, knowing that we were employing people, um, that's, that's a pretty cool feeling. I, I enjoy that and I enjoy seeing what we can build and how we can build that team. Um, the feeling, you know, I don't see... I have a chat to you and you go, wow, you've got a great story. I don't say it that way. I've, I've lived it. I've dreamed it. Um, I've been the person in, within that business. And to me, it's tomorrow is just another day. Um, you know, we're only ever here for a short period of time. And I've always, even when I was younger, it was always about what can I do in my working career? How, what can I build? Um, when my expiry time's up, how, how am I going to be remembered? I don't want to be someone that's going to work on the floor factory and disappear and you know that name John Smith's just gone um, I wanted to be I wanted to leave a legacy um, and see what we can create in that you know my 40 years or 50 years of my working career and um, you know yeah let's give it a red hot crack and let's go so to so tie this back to the hire industry so we've been talking about the traffic business but you also have LGC equipment hire yes so what is the origins of that business then so that business came to life um, really December 2020, um, coming into the Mr. COVID and, um, you know, it took us probably 12 months to be able to get that business. All of our equipment's pink in colour um, and the lead times to, to be able to buy the equipment, you know, in a colour is always there. So there was, it was a drawn out period. What our frustration was and the reason we moved into hire was if we go and send a traffic controller, or we're doing some night shift work, um, we go and send a traffic controller to one of the local hire businesses that were in town at the time um, to go and grab a lighting tower. That business might have four different brands of lighting tower. Then 11 o'clock at night, on that night shift, you're getting a phone call from your staff on the ground going, I'm not sure how to turn this lighting tower on, and our client's really unhappy with us. What are you going to do? So then, you know, back in the day, in the early days, I'd jump in the car, race down a site, give them a hand. If I knew the brand of lighting tower, what it was, I'd be able to walk them through. But sometimes you don't even know the brand of the lighting tower coming to site. Um, so for me, it was, how do we pick, um, well, let's go out there and pick the best products for the market that we want. So at the moment, we're running Barco VMS boards, we're running JLG towers. Um, I'm not going to go out there and I'm not going to go and put three different brands of lighting towers in there because when we either use it for ourselves as, a, as our business or we're hiring it out to uh, someone else, I want their guys to be familiar with our gear and if they hire it this month but don't go and hire anything from us until, say, January 2024, they're still going to get that same product. They're still going to know how to turn that product on and we're not going to have that lost time and that inefficiency um, that we'll see by swapping swapping equipment out in, 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 in different brands. And so... You, you mentioned your gear is pink. Yes. So I was in the yard today and there's a lot of pink. All your 
even your internal work vehicles are pink. The yes. building's pink. There's <laughs> pink everywhere. Yes. So, so talk to me about why you chose pink. Um, it was different. No one out there that I was aware of at the time um, really had the pink colour. We started seeing pink, you know, Western Australia is definitely a mining town. Um, we started seeing more, you know, pink dump trucks turn up. Um, you know, Jenna Reinhardt's even gone through and painted her uh, locomotives pink. Um, so we are seeing more and more pink gear coming. So it's becoming a more acceptable colour. I think if we chose the colour pink 20 years ago, we would have probably had a few noses turned up and going, oh, what are you doing? You know, it's, it's different, but, you know, it's in today's day and age, so it works in what we're doing. Mm. We're not picking a blue colour like, you know, other businesses out there. We're not picking an orange. We're not picking a yellow or a red. Um, pink was such a unique colour and was un underutilised, so it was a bit of... Um, it was definitely very different, um, and it was going to make us stand out there in the crowd. A few years earlier, I read an article about the UK motorway, um, or the UK main roads over there, and uh, they were started painting gear pink because of theft and uh, damage of gear they left on the road. So I think you know that probably had a little bit to play in it. Um, but it was really, yeah. Originally, I was going to make it blue because blue was my favourite colour, and you know that's that's what it was going to be, um, and. We were over in Bali and uh, I was sitting there having a beer with the old man and he was the one that actually suggested the colour pink and said, hey, have you thought about the colour pink? And I thought, no, nah, you're crazy. Why would I paint anything pink? And it took me about two months probably to, uh, to come around to it and go, well, that's the colour. Um, and that would have been, that was over Christmas uh, 2019. So, you know, 12 months before we started really getting gear in, in into our yards. Um, and then it was running around trying to find the right pink, and you know there was, yeah. there was a fair bit of effort to put into um, to really coming up with that colour, and yeah, trying to be a little bit different and uh, different in our industry and in what we do. It's pretty obvious when when you drive into your yard, <laughs> everything stands out. Like, yeah, we'll put a link in the description. Like there is no exaggeration that everything is pink. Yes, <laughs> so uh, it's good. I do like it. Um, so then being originally an end customer of a hire business and then starting a hire business that rents out various types of, of equipment like what were some of the things that you took into the business to say oh, this is i know the pain points that customers have when they deal with hire companies like what are some of the things that you straight away wanted to make sure that you didn't um, bring it onto the table with your business and you spoke about having one brand of equipment as one example like, yes. other things that you thought the things that we bought in there were definitely the one brand per equipment or per piece class of equipment, um, but it was also reliability. Um, at that time, there was a lot of old gear in our in our uh, industry over in WA um, in the traffic management industry. You know, gear that had been five years plus. You know, we're talking probably closer to ten to fifteen years. Um, so the gear had been paid off by these high businesses. Um, and even though we're dragging a bit of hire equipment to site, it's still a reflection on our labour business. And, you know, when you're pulling up with an arrow board that's got rust on it and wires hanging out of it, it's it reflects, even though it's we don't own that bit of equipment, it still reflects on what our guys and how our guys operate. Because if we can't turn that bit of equipment on or that equipment malfunctions while we're on the road, that's a downtime. Um, and if we're running, you know, overhead power line crews um, or supporting overhead power line crews, you know, we're talking about thousands and thousands of dollars an hour um, that can be tied up just because of that piece of equipment, if it's a lying tower, arrow board, a variable message board, whatever it is, is not been able to be operational. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing was definitely people. If we can bring the right people in and create the right systems within the business, um, 
you know, I think we can create a better service to our clients and it's all about, you know, labour or equipment. It's all about service. We, if we don't have service in the business and we shut our doors and, you know, call it, call it whatever, um, we're never going to get repeat customers and, you know, customers are what open our door. So it's all about uh, building the right service and uh, supporting, supporting our clients and, and creating what we can create. And then, so maybe just to inform the audience, like what is your... Uh, line of equipment so when you go in you see a little portable pink board with toilets yes um, but maybe you just want to run through different types of equipment you have and, and maybe when you brought them in like how did you expand and why did you expand okay um so we started off with traffic equipment so we started off with the available message boards arrow boards lighting towers uh, portable traffic lights um you know vsas's which are variable speed awareness signs um so we started off with all that stuff and you know as you would with a traffic business, it started off being cross-eyed back into our traffic business. From there, um, we moved into the sanitation realm. Um, within the traffic business, we've never been heavy in the events and never done many events in there. Um, moving into the sanitation space definitely opened the doors for, for the group of the businesses to uh, move more into those event spaces. Um, but the big drive of us to move into that sanitation space at that time was COVID. There was a shortage of portable toilets. The quality of the portable toilets that we see in Western Australia um, are definitely lacking. There's, you know, there's probably four main businesses in that portable toilet space. Um, a lot of higher businesses have portable toilets, but I'd say there's probably four main businesses that focus on it. Um, one of them's got a pretty good product. The other two sit in, oh, sorry, the other three really sit in the residential space and just don't have that product. Um, so for us, it was about picking Australia made um, for our portable toilets because they had the largest waste tank. They were the most plush looking unit um, there at the time. And it was trying to build more a, from seeing what that market is, um, it was trying to build more of a prestige. Um, we're trying to build a better service, I guess, in that industry. And by that service, with that sanitation, we we're offering a better toilet. We are at the moment going through um, a bit of a change in the business and a bit of a different direction. Uh, we're now starting to bring access equipment into our business. Um, so we've just done a, uh, done a bit of a deal with Sonoboom. Um, and that's exciting. I'm actually really, really looking forward to see these, uh, these pink dinosaurs turn up. And, um, <laughs> yeah, pink dinosaurs. And, um, mate, that's, that's going to be exciting moving into access. And uh, the reason we've moved from there is because it's another step away from what our, what our traffic management business is. Um, but it's also, you know, our traffic guys turn up to a site and how do we get as much gear onto that site to be able to support that client and become more of a one-stop shop? So now we can pull up, we can close your road, we can go and supply your toilets for your guys to use. If you're doing bridge work or you're doing um, work at heights, now we can go and supply you with your EWPs. Um, so it's all about all about supporting supporting that client and how can we help that client? How can we be that one-stop shop for that client so that client then can go and achieve their goal and build what they need to build or fix what they need to fix? That's really the big um, the big drive for that. So, so it really started off as just a supplement to the traffic business, but yes. now it's really growing into its own business uh, and I'm assuming you have some pretty big plans to expand. Definitely, definitely. I'm... Uh, I'm very excited for the time that I go into that yard and there's too much gear for our WA market and we start loading trucks and sending them over east. Um, you know, there'll be a point in time, I couldn't tell you when that's going to happen, but there's going to be a point in time. And um, my goal for that traffic business was always to build, or originally was to build it into a national sort of business. There was two national companies at that time. 
really three national companies out there at the moment. Um, but now with what needs to be done in traffic and how that traffic industry works, um, I'm happy to be that leader in WA and then take our rental business and really grow this rental business. I'm, I'm really enjoying the rental space and, um, and yeah. And I, I noticed when I walked into your branch, I saw a few um, higher rental industry association stickers yes. down there as well. So you were at the, at the show, we, we caught up as well. So um, you, did you recently become a member? Did you? No, I think we became a member as soon as we started the hire business. So okay. I think for industries out there, um, those associations are definitely a great thing for the industries because they bring the businesses together. And if you can't bring businesses together, that's when the industries suffer. And this is what I'm really locking in about spending my time in the, in the rental side and the hire side, um, is that the businesses talk and it builds a better industry. Um, you know, from talking about equipment on what brands are right, no one can go out there, well, some, some people can go out there and go and buy every, every lighting tower that's manufactured out there and then work it out. But um, working and working collaboratively with other businesses um, by talking about brands or, you know, there's, there's a lot of things businesses can learn from each other. Um, mm. And this is, the rental industry is, you know, that's why I'm loving this industry, meeting some really great people um, in the industry and guys that, you know, I'd like to build, uh, build relationships and friendships with for, you know, as long as, as, long as I'm around or as long as LJC's around. Um, but that collaborative work of these businesses is, is, is it's, it's very exciting. Um, and yeah, it helps the industry grow. It creates a better industry because the, biz, the industries that don't talk to each other and try and cut the guts out of their margins and really drag that industry down, they're the industries that suffer. They're the ones that generally the directors are stressed out um, and there's just issues, you know, everywhere, every what way they come because they the businesses aren't collaboratively working together to build the industry. If we don't build an industry, you don't build business. And I'm yeah. a firm believer of that. What was it like when you truly understood the level of like cross hires or sub hires between businesses? Was that like a bit of a surprise on how willing your competitors were to help supplement your shortage of fleet? Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, Coming from the traffic side, that is, which is almost the opposite. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's a few businesses that work work uh, collaboratively in the traffic space, but nothing like we see in the rental space. Um, Mate, it was interesting and it was great. It was great to see an industry that even the biggest guys in the industry can't supply that industry. So it's always going to create that collaborative work and that collaborative move to move forward with each other. Um, it's what I've learnt and what I've seen in the short period of time being in this rental game. It's the businesses that don't collaboratively work and want to be the, I guess, the big end of town or think they're the big end of town. Um, they're the businesses that are really suffering in this industry. So if you can't collaboratively work with someone and, you know, I know for me, we're not going to have enough stock. Um, you know, there's going to be points in time that we don't have enough stock in our fleet that we're going to have to, and we, and we do, and we do it quite regularly, that we go and cross hire. Because we've chosen the colour pink, I've got a minimum of 90 to 120 days for any bit of equipment I buy. So we, as a business, have to work with other businesses um, to see those fluctuations because there's not too many times out there that you know that you're getting work you know, three or four months out, it's generally, you know, we, we need it now. Mm. And I guess if you if you want to collaborate with your competitors in um, providing uh, equipment, if you start cutting prices, there's no way your competitor is going to want to support your business through sub hire. 
And so is that something that you, like you're mentioning the people that isolate themselves, is that probably one of the traits that you might see of them trying to undercut and not work with other people? Yeah, definitely. The guys that think they can own town, um, they're the guys there that are undercutting and very much that, um, you know, they're the guys that we're trying, well, they're the guys that suffer because they end up going in too cheap to be able to cross hire off someone and then they realise that they've got too much gear running out of the yard and then when they do start cross hiring that they're losing money over something that they shouldn't even be losing where they could have scaled it back, had a third less work or whatever the number is there that they've created for themselves, a little bit less, but it makes their life a lot easier and, um, you know, it ends up making their bottom line more. Yeah. So... So earlier today, we were chatting about um, sub hire in general and whatnot, and then you were telling me a story about where some of the industry people that were trying to discount equipment, like you were sticking firm to, to your rates and you were renting it to a, another rental business who were then had committed rates to their customer, and so they were actually losing money on the sub hire, basically. And that was just so they could get their gear on site and they thought they could win more business by because they had portable toilets there. Like for, when I heard that, I, I almost just thought like that's insane. Like, is that something you've seen before? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And they're the businesses that don't collaboratively work with each other. Um, you know that that business um, that business in question there put some pink gear out. You know, our portable toilets are stamped with LJC on the side, but put our gear out on site. Um, bright pink LJC all over them, and still took a hit, thinking they were going to uh, further their business by being able to get more work off them. But if you're not making money off your hire, why are you there? It should never be, at the end of the day, they're not gonna see that brand or this business's brand on that site. They're saying our brand on that site. Mm. Um, and it doesn't work, it, it doesn't work. It, it's not sustainable, it's definitely not sustainable. Mm. Uh, and then, so what about on the transport side? Have you brought in your own trucks or do you use external transport? And what have you done there? No, we've brought our own transport in, so we wanna be, um, We've bought our own transport in for the reason of delays. Um, we want to have full control over our over our pipeline and how we control um, control by getting our staff out and our, and our equipment out there. Um, we do use contractors when we're busy and uh, and and that, but um, yeah, no, definitely definitely trying to build our transport side and uh, or definitely sorry, I shouldn't say try and build our transport side. We definitely are building our transport side. So now that we've got access gear coming, we've got a couple of tilt trays coming. Um, we run high ups for our portable toilets. We've got our own vac trucks, um, and we try and do the whole uh, the whole whole thing because uh, hey, at the end of the day, we've got a labour force, um, and it's and one of the big reasons. Um, Moving in, you know, I shouldn't say one of the big reasons, but another reason of us moving into the higher space was we had a lot of people um, in the traffic management space. You know, you go from a basic traffic controller to advanced traffic controller, and then you become a really a, a um, you can be advanced traffic controller on the ground, then you become a planner. Um, but we wanted to give more options to our guys on the ground, and how do we? How do we upskill our guys and how do we give them better opportunities out there in the workforce? And that was really a big push. Um, and it was funny because I was listening to another podcast. Uh, a New Zealand guy um, has got a podcast called Get Flush and it's around the sanitation and portable toilet. Um, he's done you know, interviews with guys in Australia, New Zealand, America, um, Europe. And one day uh, I was driving down to Albany Depot listening to his podcast and uh, it was about interviewing what a pump driver is. Uh, and he jumps in this truck and you hear the microphone turn on and they're having a bit of a chat. And he goes, oh, what did you do before this? And the guy goes, oh, I was a traffic controller. 
And a little light clicked in my head and thought, Jesus, I've got a couple of hundred of them, uh, of those guys. So it's a great opportunity there to be able to get those guys, upskill them, um, get them into a truck and get them out there pumping. Um, although it is a bit of a, you know, people think it is a bit of a crappy job. Um, mate, I've been in the truck with the guys, I've gone and seen how they operate. It's, it's really not that bad. It's, uh, it's a pretty cushy little job and a cruisy job that they they're really left up to their own device and don't have anyone um, mm. walking out of the office into the workshop going, why is this not done? Yeah, and then I guess on the, on the, the pump-out side, like really, once you're stuck in that many toilets, it, the, the driver's got his run, but it's all about preparing the route of, of, that he needs to do and setting up zones and, and having the different um, weekly and fortnightly or monthly pump-outs, whatever it might be. The planning side becomes more and more important the more toilets you have, really. Definitely. And as, to- as technology moves, we're seeing programs coming into the industry that really do change that. Um, you know, there's a local program to Australia that's working on something at the moment that's pretty interesting. Um, but there's also, you know, there's plenty of programs out there that, that can map it. Uh, there's another program over in the States called AliPro that's just specialised to the portable industry. But it really comes down to, um, you know, how your hire controllers too. How, how true is that information that's getting uh, put into your systems to be able to route that information? Um, but I, yeah, definitely as technology changes, I think that that side's going to become easier and easier. Um, so starting LGC hire and then and starting off on the traffic side and then building um, you know, all the equipment up, like how's your, your purchasing mind sort of changed over time? Like trying to figure out like the right gear to buy, the ROI model and stuff like that coming new into the industry. When we first started that business, it was all about uh, purchasing equipment that was going to give us a good ROI. You know, if it was 52 weeks and under, that's the sort of equipment we were after. And the reason we were after that is we wanted to, or we needed to generate, and still do need to generate, um, you know, generate cash flow, but it was about to generate cash flow. So then we can go and uh, lend against that and go and buy more equipment and build this business. You know, this business is this high business is we definitely want to build it into into a sizable business and um, you know I've still got another 30 odd years uh, of my working career or, um, and I really want to see what I can create create in that space and then how has that changed like do you still have that, that rule of thumb or has that changed over time yes it definitely has changed um, when we first started that business it was all about buying high ROI equipment and getting that um, trying to get that paid so we can build a base base level there um, to really step this business up and create something um you know we are a traffic business so we do use um, truck mounted attenuators tmas as they're commonly known um and we've always had them within our business um but we've made the effort and now and started buying more of these tmas the tmas that we bring into our fleet are incident response tmas um but that allows us now to be able to get them into your main roads and um, and into your incident response crews. Um, and if we can have those trucks that aren't operated by LGC but are still associated to um, your government agencies, uh, that's 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 a billboard. Um, and you know, for for this business, the big thing is is presentation. Um, as you know, as you've said earlier, uh, all of our gear is pink um, in that yard, and it is bright. You know, it is bright. It is it is relatively um, relatively new gear to the industry, um, but we want to keep that really fresh. That that image of what that we have, mm. um, and I guess the TMA is like. I guess you're saying how it's changed because the ROI on that is is over a much longer period. But then it sort of gets you that image on the billboard on the side of the road, basically. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and then you mentioned that you got into access with, uh, with Cineboom. So, so one, what made you decide to get into access? And two, why did you pick Cineboom? Or Cineboom? Cineboom? Cineboom. Cineboom. <laughs> no, Cineboom. Cineboom. Yeah, Cineboom. I think that's what their name is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is Cineboom. Um, that's, a, that's a very good question. Um, as a rental business or having a starting a rental business, we had looked at access a few times. I'd shied away from the idea of access for the reasons being of um, it wasn't our core business. It wasn't something we've, we're known for. Um, as we develop this higher business, you know, we want to branch out and we want to become, instead of just being a higher business that supports a traffic management business, we want to be a higher business with a traffic management arm um, and really be that be that be that leader in what we do. Um, the reason we move down into the access space is it's very much like traffic um, in the way of your regulations. Um, you know, less people are on ladders. If you need to go and change a, a light bulb that's you know ten meters high or whatever whatever it is, um, you've got to use a bit of access gear. So it's driven by rules and regulation, um, and it kind of fits in what we do. You know, we're a very safety orientated business. The traffic business is about creating safe work environments and work zones for our contractors, as also the general public. Um, the access gear is a high risk piece of equipment that is a safety piece of equipment for work sites, um, and it was. Trying to diversify from you know what that traffic space is, we really want to want to diversify. And as I've said before, we want to be we want to be LJC. We want to be a household name out in the industry. Yeah, and then I guess Cinebooms listening right now, going, yeah, but you didn't say why you picked us. <laughs> yeah. So so why did you pick them as a brand? The reason I the reason LJC chose Cineboom to partner with was the array of equipment they have in there, uh, in their fleet, um, or in their offering. Um, but it was also the technology that we we're seeing starting to come out of Asia. Um, you know, I've just recently been over, or I was recently fortunate enough to be uh, to be able to go over to China and see the uh, Cinnabone factory, um, mate. And that was that was a that was an eye opener. I have never seen a factory so clean, um, but so much automation. The AI technology that these um, Chinese factories have now was it was phenomenal it was a robot from a robot bringing in your raw steel to a robot cutting the steel to moving down the line to the robot welding that steel um, and then going off and getting painted and coming back and, you know the only time we really saw a uh, employee in the factory was was the electrical wiring was more the fiddly sort of work but the actual um, the actual welding and the sculpturing of the metal was all done by um, by robots and it was it was phenomenal. It was the technology over there is definitely increasing, and um, you know that was the third time I've been to China. First time was two thousand and twelve, and how far they have an advance in their manufacturing processes um, has been, you know, it's phenomenal. It's mm. absolutely phenomenal. And I guess like earlier in the podcast, you were saying that like you wouldn't buy equipment from Asia like ten years ago, and yes. then here you are today buying however many bits of access gear you are. So obviously you've noticed the quality of the equipment evolve over time oh yeah mate it's it's definitely evolved you know when i first started the business we were running um the brand of arrow boards uh, you know we'll go into arrow boards the best brand of arrow boards i believe on the market and has been for a few years has been a chinese brand um 
but back, you know, 2014 when they started, when they, we started seeing these, this brand of Arable coming into the market, mate, we had cracks welding, we had all sorts of issues with it. Um, and it was really, it seemed to be, to me, it seemed to be through that COVID piece that um, a lot had changed and a lot of technology had changed. And it's probably because we couldn't get over there for three years to see what had happened and realise, real, or to see how, uh, sorry, to realise how these guys are moving so quick in, uh, quick in their technology and how they're, how they're manufacturing. And I, and I think the lead time's quite good as well uh, for some of these brands, yeah? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, mate, the size of the factory, like the Cinnabone factory that we were in was, that was phenomenal. That was phenomenal. It was the size of, you know, the suburb we were in here at the moment. We're sitting in Midland and uh, it was, yeah. it felt like it was the size of Midland. It was absolutely crazy on how big these manufacturing plants are. Yeah, I think are. you said to me yesterday, you showed me a photo and then you were like, to get from here to there was 10 minutes. And I was like, walking, like, no, driving. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It was... Um, to drive just to the other side of the factory, 10 minutes. Yeah, it was It was crazy. It was... Mate, I was like a kid in a lolly shop looking at this stuff. Um, especially, you know, being in there and looking at this equipment, it was... it was. Words can't describe on, you know, how, how far advanced these guys are moving. Um, you know, we're seeing some of the American brands, some of the European brands. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what industry it is, and I'm not not specifying an industry here. It doesn't matter what industry it is, but we're seeing, um, you know, supply issues where we don't seem to be seeing those supply issues out of China. Yes, because all of our equipment is bright pink in colour, that we do have that delay of, you know, 90 to 120 days, um, if not more, for some brands. Um, you know, we recently bought some equipment, and it took 10 months for them to arrive here. Um, um, but yeah, these, the manufacturing process and the shipping process of, uh, of these Asian manufacturers are, are really stepping up there out, out mm. there. And um, you know, it's, it's changing the game. It's going to be an interesting, interesting 10 to 15 years, I think, in front of us um, to see what the equipment is. But you know, one of the conversations that we had earlier was about the Con Expo um, and how many, how many overseas manufacturers are now turning up at the Con Expo to, uh, to promote their gear. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's changing times out there. It's exciting times. There's opportunity. Um, or Sorry, those times create opportunity out there for people. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how this market changes and uh, I guess the economics of the world and the manufacturing world of, of the next 10 to 15 years. And so, finally, um, starting a business, uh, growing it to 300 staff in traffic and then starting to hire business and growing that into what it is today. Like, what advice would you give to somebody that was thinking about starting a, starting a hire business? Mate, go for it. Grab, grab the bull by the horns and jump on and go for it. Um, the industry's great. I love the rental industry and I love the collaborativity in that rental space of businesses working together to create a better industry. Um, you know, there are challenges. There definitely are challenges within the business. Um, it's not a... For someone, it really depends on how large you want, want to grow that business and where you want that business to see and what future you see of that business. Um, you... You know, if you want to grow a sizable business in the industry, you're definitely going to need some sort of capital behind you to move into it. So just like we've done, it, I couldn't create what I've created now in the higher space if it was my first business. I've been lucky enough to have a uh, you know, successful traffic business that we've been able to lean on to be able to grow the business to where it is mm -hmm. now. Um, and it's all about now is growing that higher business um, yeah, growing it. But the, you know, one of the big one of the big issues there that we have faced through the time has been um, I shouldn't say, actually, I shouldn't say big issues. One of the, um, 
one of the challenges of being out there is, and I enjoy this challenge, I really do, is seeing that bit of equipment going, yes, we're going to purchase that. Then you go out there and raise the capital to go and purchase that equipment, um, if it's internal capital or if it's external capital, um, and then getting that equipment in and then getting it out there and pushing it to clients and, and, and building it. Um, but if someone came to me tomorrow and said they want to get into the hire industry, I would say go for it. it is, it's, been a great, it's been a great journey. It's only been a short journey for us in the hire space, um, but it's a journey that I'm, you know, I'm really looking forward to travel down that road and, and see what we can create in this hire business. Yeah, good that you've got that passion. So thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. No worries. Thanks for having us, Mark. It's been a, uh, been a great afternoon. Thank you. Thank you.